You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday We are rejuvenated here at the Locked on Pelicans podcast now that the Anthony Davis trade is done and we can look forward to the future. That includes Zion Williamson, who will be the number one overall pick on Thursday. We're going to be diving into the draft in the fourth segment of the show today, or fourth segment, fourth pick coming up, but third segment of the show. We're going to talk about a couple of the guys the Pelicans might be eyeing should they keep that fourth overall selection. But before we get to that, we've got some big things going on here. First is LeVar Ball coming to New Orleans. He was on ESPN First Take, said a couple of things. Not bad, though, which you might kind of expect from him. So it was good to hear this. But there's some issues with LeVar Ball, and I'm going to explain what those are and why. There's a lot of hypocritical comments being thrown out there the past couple of days surrounding him. Also, Josh Hart might be my new favorite Pelican, and I'll explain why that is as well. Then the Pelicans picked up Alvin Gentry's coaching option. He is here for two more years. It's a good move. I'm going to tell you why. And then we have some news on Julius Randle and what his plan is going to be this offseason. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get into all of that, though, you like that intro music that we've had for a number of years here on the podcast? Well, that comes from local indie band Vox and the Hound, who graciously gave that, and Roy Calais, their lead guitarist, also a writer over at LockedOnPelicans.com, and they've got a show coming up this fall. Friday. It's Vox and the Hound with Baby Grand at the Hi-Ho Lounge, Friday, June 21st. It's 10 p.m. There's a $10 cover. It is an awesome venue. If you've never been there, it's in my neighborhood over on St. Claude. So make sure you get out there, support local indie rock bands. That is important and a big part of the city of New Orleans. So Vox and the Hound along with Baby Grand at the Hi-Ho Lounge, Friday, the 21st, 10 p.m. I will see you there. All right, LeVar Ball, we've got to talk about him. And it's annoying that we've got to bring him up, but he makes himself a topic with the things he said. It's also partially perpetuated by people who keep putting a microphone in his face. But you know what? If he wants to talk and he's going to say something newsworthy and relevant, they should put a microphone in his face. And with his son being traded and it being newsworthy, you should listen to what a big important person in his life has to say. So I have no problem with this. So he spoke out in New York, the Drew League's going on, which is a, a basketball league over the summer that his son was playing in. Lamelo, Lamelo, Yeah, I think. And there's Lamelo and LiAngelo. I'm getting confused. One is playing in Australia next year who just signed a deal. So we will probably see less of LeVar Ball because he's built, be dealing with his other son out there. But he's still going to be a prominent part of all of this. So over at Drew League, he was talking when the news broke saying it's the worst move for the Lakers that they could have ever done. They'll never win another championship. And he just says he wants Lonzo to play. He didn't say anything wrong, in my opinion, 
I was totally cool with everything that he said then. And that doesn't make you fit, you know, wouldn't be your first guess with LeVar Ball, but you have to be kind of happy. He went on first take to speak a little bit more about it all and was fine with it. He said great things about Alvin Gentry. He seems to like the organization and everything that's been built up here in New Orleans and probably thinks that Lonzo's in a better place to succeed. I think we all kind of agree with that. And we'll look at his fit a little bit more either later in this week or next. So overall, nothing bad was really said by him, like kind of exactly what you'd want to hear. And it's always kind of the case. People are always on their best behavior at first. We'll see if it stays. But right now, based off of that, not really anticipating any issues with LeVar Ball and New Orleans, which thumbs up. But here's the issue I have with a number of things we saw yesterday. All of a sudden, because now LeVar is the father of a player on your favorite team, a lot of people are changing their tune about LeVar Ball and being fairly hypocritical, in my opinion, about it. LeVar, even yesterday on ESPN, was saying very sexist things, misogynistic things, things that you just do not or should not be saying or or broaching and kind of going that approach with it in 2019, particularly with the climate of things. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but what he's saying is damaging no matter how you feel about it. It is the truth and people have said as much that it impacts. So I don't like that. So all of a sudden, people are like, oh, this dude is hilarious. When for years, people have been like, this guy's either bad for the league, he's awful, all of that. You've got to try and reconcile the two. And it's one thing if you just don't care about the outside noise or the other stuff he's ever said. If you've just been like, he's always funny, and now he's here, and he's funny. I root for him because his son's on the team. Totally cool. But here's where it gets really bad. And this is with some comments he made about two weeks ago referring to Jeannie Buss. He said that Jeannie Buss basically wasn't a good NBA owner because women, females, are emotional and sensitive and therefore they can't make good decisions, which is just a horribly sexist, misogynistic, awful fucking thing to say. Really as simple as that. It's, yeah, and and completely wrong (laughs) regardless of that. So he said that about a female owner. Now his son's going to a team with a female owner. All of these people who have defended Gail Benson from sexist, misogynistic comments saying she's not fit to run the team or shouldn't be running the team because it was inherited from her late husband and what experience or anything does she have? You can't root for the same dude who basically also said negative things by association and indirectly about Gail Benson because he said those about Jeannie Buss. It's hypocritical. It is. And it's not okay. And if you think, and you've said, look at all the work Gail Benson's doing to, for women, hiring Swin Cash to a very high-level role in the Pelicans organization, her being one of the most powerful women in sports, and then you have LeVar Ball coming in and almost undermining that in a way, not that he's actually any power over that, but it is not right, and it's not necessarily okay for you to then just be like, well, now the dude's with, associated with my favorite team, so he's funny to me, and I'll put up with this. This is not something you should put up with. It's not like your stupid, annoying uncle at the backyard barbecue saying some weird shit that you walk away from. That weird uncle does not have the platform that LeVar Ball does to belittle women and to put people down and to undermine things. And this is not even remotely okay. He has said some awful, awful things. You can still think he's entertaining and funny, but you also have to acknowledge the fact that he has said some awful things that indirectly are applying to the owner of the teams that you root for. 
And it's weird to try and reconcile the two. If you've just never paid attention to any of this or any of the things said about Gail Benson, keep on doing you. You're kind of in the clear. You're not really being hypocritical there. But I don't think it's okay to look at him and just be like, this dude's hilarious when you've never thought that before, when he said things that undermine someone you think very highly of too. And that's a problem I have with it. I'm going to keep him completely separate from Lonzo Ball when we kind of discuss things in the future. Like, I'm not going to be looking to put Lonzo Ball down because of his annoying dad. And look, at times his dad's kind of entertaining. But his dad's also said some awful, awful things. And in that interview, which was on FS1, the one where he kind of said all that stuff about Genie Bus, they gave him like every out to walk it back and he did not. They like really were giving him a lot of leash and leeway to kind of undo some of the things he's saying and he did not want to. So this is the kind of thing you've got to reconcile with it. You can be funny and entertaining, but you've got to acknowledge the bad with it too, just like I'm doing here. But it does not have any impact on Lonzo Ball. And I don't want to see Lonzo Ball traded because of anything his dad says, but there is a lot of hypocrisy out there. This is something we need to address and that you can't just really ignore. It's unfortunate, but it comes with the territory. But you know what? We can keep the two people separate. They're not each other's keeper. Lonzo doesn't really have control over what his dad does. Though, again, maybe you'd like to see him speak out a little bit strongly against it and try and kind of avoid a situation like this as much as possible. Can't do that. Anyway, in terms of other incoming Pelicans, so let's move on from that topic. Josh Hart is my new favorite one, 100% of the way. This is a dude who immediately, upon finding out he's been traded, even though nothing is official, has embraced New Orleans and the Pelicans. He's changed his Twitter avatar to him being photoshopped into a Pelicans jersey and at a Fortnite Pro-Am, which is awesome because I love video games. I enjoy Fortnite. We've done a stream with T-Bob Bear of Fortnite and talking basketball to see Josh Hart kind of at a pro-am and a big event for it was pretty cool. He's wearing a Pelicans t-shirt at that thing. He asked on Twitter, what's the best place to get beignets? This is awesome. If it was, if Morning Call was still around and operating, it would be Morning Call, by the way. But pretty cool to see that he is just all about being here. Same thing for Brandon Ingram on his Instagram or Snapchat, one of the two. I don't really use either. Seem to be very excited about just getting away from some of the Lakers drama. This is in such stark contrast to that famous picture now of Al Farouk Aminu, Chris Kamen, and Eric Gordon holding up their Pelicans jerseys after the trade, hating their lives. Cool to see some people excited to be here in New Orleans. Definitely a new chapter and we crossed a new page. Now I have a new best friend in Josh Hart. So we're going to be talking Alvin Gentry and Julius Randle coming up here in a second. Don't forget the Locked On NBA podcast Monday through Friday, bringing you everything you need to know around the association. Yesterday, there's a crossover edition of Locked On Lakers, Locked On Pelicans with myself and Anthony Irwin. We really dive into this trade from a lot of different angles. It's pretty interesting. Give it a listen if you haven't already. And also just subscribe to that podcast. There's going to be a lot of trade rumors, a lot of free agency rumors going on. It is going to be really interesting time. It's the best way Monday through Friday just to keep up with the biggest stories and all of the news because we cover it always for you. So Monday through Friday, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast. So if you're Alvin Gentry, you had a really good Monday. The Pelicans have exercised the team option on head coach Alvin Gentry for the 2020-2021 season. It was announced by David Griffin. This is 
not a huge surprise. So we had already known he was coming back for next year. He's going to be here the year after that as well. Basically avoids a lame duck situation as the Pelicans start this rebuild and start this new era. You know, uh, the quote from Griffin is, we couldn't be happier to extend our relationship with Alvin. He's exactly the right coach at the right time for this franchise. As I've mentioned several times previously, the shared vision we have for the future of the Pelican, our future of Pelicans basketball, both on and off the floor, will enable us to build a roster that fits both culturally and tactically. More importantly, the relationship we have built over our many years together will enable us to challenge, empower, and further one another and our franchise. End quote. They like each other. They know each other. This makes a lot of sense. Again, avoiding a lame duck situation is always good. It adds some stability to this franchise for a number of new players coming in who haven't necessarily had stability in the NBA. The roster with Zion, with Drew, and some of the other pieces, Lonzo Ball, really fit an Alvin Gentry type of system as well. So again, makes a lot of sense that maybe they want to maintain some continuity and build a team, and have a coach that plays to these guys' strength. So no real surprise here. Alvin Gentry did a masterful job of navigating the dumpster fire, trash fire, whatever he said the situation was during last season. No one faults him for having a beer. So yeah, he's probably earned this just a little bit. I think in general, the players like him for the most part, haven't tuned him out or anything like that. And he's got his teams playing hard. Plus, by calling that timeout against the Phoenix Suns that they did not have, he helped this franchise get Zion Williamson. Yeah, you got to reward that guy maybe just a little bit. Though, let's be honest, jokes aside, that's not why they're bringing him back for another year. So this is a good move overall. You know, regardless of what you think about Gentry, he probably deserves two years to coach this team. Also, if things go really poorly next year, you can fire him if need be. I don't think that'll be the case. I don't know what will happen after the second year, but there's a plethora of options. You can stick with him. You can move him somewhere else. You can go in a different direction. Everything should be okay. So smart move from the Pelicans to make this. Also, in his opening presser, David Griffin spoke about how fearless Alvin Gentry is the best type of Alvin Gentry who can be bold, take risks, make the decision he wants without worrying about someone maybe firing him over that. That's a good thing here, and I think that's kind of what you're seeing them empower him to do. This kind of fits David Griffin's MO from what we gather in his management style. Empower people to do their jobs. And that's what he's doing here. He's straight up empowering Alvin Gentry. So very cool to see. The other big news with the Pelicans was Julius Randle not picking up the player option that he had for his contract next year for going the nine whatever million dollars it was and entering unrestricted free agency. On the opening day of free agency or right before it, you will see the Pelicans renounce his rights, his cap hold, the early bird rights that they would have for him. That is to just get his salary off the books whatsoever. Basically, if you're a free agent and the team has some sort of rights to you, bird rights, early bird, what have you, you have a cap hold. So that team, if they resign you to those using that exception, can't then use that money on someone else. So it takes up cap space. The Pelicans can still re-sign him using their cap space if they want, but because they don't have his bird rights, there's no real reason to maintain that cap hold on their books when free agency starts and to tie up their money. So that's what you'll see happen. 
I still don't think he's going to be coming back. It probably changed when Zion Williamson and the Pelicans were matched up with the first overall pick. Before that, they probably were looking to bring him back. But Zion Williamson just does everything a little bit better than Julius Randle, maybe not right away, though defensively he'll be an upgrade right away. And I think the Pels will just go in a different direction. So no surprise to see that. We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about it, though. You never know if these two uh, sides will come back together. And Maybe the Pelicans don't see anything one else out there they like in free agency and make a move to bring Julius Randle back to New Orleans. Don't forget, subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. Going to have a lot coming for you in the days, weeks, and months. Now that we have the Anthony Davis trade set, we're going to be looking at potential guys for the Pelicans to take at four overall in the next segment. We're going to have even more stuff coming like that for you every single day. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. All right, the Pelicans have the fourth overall selection as of now in Thursday's NBA draft. And yes, they're going to be looking to potentially move this pick. But let's look at some guys they might try and take. I think most people seem to think that maybe Darius Garland is the fourth best prospect in this NBA draft, but is he a realistic option for New Orleans? If you're keeping Lonzo Ball, if you have Drew Holiday, and the Pelicans certainly think Frank Jackson is a part of their future, do you really need another lead combo guard, not even combo guard, lead guard, point guard, like Darius Garland? I'm really not sure that you do. This is a guy, though, who has a tremendous shot. He put up last season at Vanderbilt uh, 16.2 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, uh, 2.6 assists, and was overall pretty good. He had an E field goal percentage of 63.9. He's a good three-point shooter, and his shot is very pure. But I don't think he does much else, and he's definitely a guy who wants to try and score with assists coming secondary. I think if you're looking for an NBA comp that's realistic, you're looking at Jeff Teague with maybe shades of a guy like Damian Lillard with kind of some of the sidestep moves that he has when he shoots. So he can play in the pick and roll. He can shoot. That's really it. And that is not someone I'm necessarily excited about taking at, with the fourth overall pick. He's a little undersized also. Maybe it's six two and a half to six three. Not a great defender. And you definitely don't see an ideal backcourt pairing with him and Drew Holiday in that sense. It also probably puts more of the onus on playmaking on other guys than him kind of being your main guy. Does not finish well at the rim either. We're gonna, that's something we're going to talk about with Lonzo Ball too. And that can definitely be an issue in the NBA. So because of where the, the, the roster looks right now, I just don't see Darius Garland being a realistic option for the Pelicans that high. Maybe if they trade down, if you're looking for value, certainly. But I think value is something we keep, we're going to be coming back to. The other guy maybe that you could look at in a similar vein with this is Kobe White, the point guard, combo guard out of North Carolina. 16.1 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, 4.1 assists. Better size and height than Garland has as well. I think he could be potentially just a better fit for New Orleans. It's a dude who's also really fast, wants to go out and score, has shades of Jamal Murray in him, I think, and he can definitely space the court and just should be pretty okay. But again, defense isn't too great, not the greatest finisher at the rim either, and I wonder if this is just too high to maybe take a guy who doesn't fully fit New Orleans um, and what they're building right now, though he's someone I like quite a bit in this draft. So those are the point guards that they could be looking at that I think are going to be just 
long shots or stretches given the roster. And this is probably why they're looking to trade this pick away because these are the guys you're kind of looking in that range. But what about some of the wing players or other bigs? Because there's some intriguing players out there who could be not only good fits for New Orleans, but also players who could become solid starters in the NBA. So there's a couple of wing players that have potential to be very good in the NBA. They'd be on the high end, maybe top level starters, not all stars, but very good NBA starters. But that's probably their ceiling, and it's not a guarantee, of course, that they're going to get to that. I'm, of course, talking about DeAndre Hunter and Jarrett Culver. Let's talk about Hunter first, 6'7", sophomore out of Virginia, who really excelled in the NCAA title game, actually playing and outplaying in one-on-one matchups, Jarrett Culver of Texas Tech. DeAndre Hunter, again, 6'7", with good size, averaged 15.2 points per game, 5.1 rebounds, two assists, basically half a block and half a steal per game. He did this shooting 57.9 E field goal percentage, also 48.3% from deep. Pretty good numbers overall. He's not a very flashy player whatsoever, but he can play some defense. He really did a number on Jarrett Culver in the title game. I really came away from that very, very impressed and can shoot threes. And he's a good spot-up shooter, so a guy who can space the court for New Orleans if need be. Someone who just doesn't need to have the ball in his hands a whole lot. He can't really create from him for himself. He doesn't have tremendous athleticism to go side to side, and he's more of a straight-line driver. But you know what? Given the limited offense that he'll need in the NBA with a guy like Lonzo Ball, potentially Brandon Ingram there too, Drew Holiday, and of course Zion Williamson... To have him maybe be your fourth or fifth option, pretty good. You know, he's a very good uh, defender, particularly on ball. He can switch it up a little bit. I wouldn't say a ton, but he's pretty smart too. And this is a guy who should be an above average defender in the NBA against quicker guys. You know, if you throw him against a prime LeBron James, he's going to get smoked. Maybe against, if he switches on to Westbrook, someone like that, he's not going to stand a chance. But against the majority of the NBA, 80% of wings, he should be able to hold his own. And I think he's going to be in strong consideration for New Orleans at number four. The other guy that I think is maybe more intriguing there who fits potentially a little bit more just because his versatility is greater is Jarrett Culver. He's a guard wing out of Texas Tech. He's really basically, if you round up 6'7", 6'6 and three quarters, I think is what he's listed at. And he is someone who put up in his sophomore year, 18 and a half points per game, 6.4 rebounds, 3.7 assists, half a block and 1.5 steals per game. Those are really good numbers. The problem is his shooting in college wasn't tremendous. 30.4% from deep, just 70.7% from the line. But when you watch his shot, I think he's going to have an easier time getting open looks and open three-pointers, and his motion just looks a little bit better. The mechanics are overall a little bit more sound than DeAndre Hunter, who takes a slight bit longer. In the quicker NBA, the faster pace, I want a guy who can maybe shoot a little bit quicker, and I have a feeling that Jarrett Culver's shot is going to translate to the NBA far more. He's also a very smart player. He works really well off the ball, which I think is a big thing here. Let's get a less ball-dominant guy, a guy who's comfortable cutting, doing other things like that, and he can shoot off the dribble, driving, whatever you need as a spot-up shooter too. He's just 
overall more versatile than DeAndre Hunter is, and I think that's kind of a big thing. This is not a guy who can create his own offense, though. He is just very average in terms of explosiveness. He's not really going to be able to blow by many defenders, and I think that's kind of an issue. You can see his shot selection at times leaves you wanting, but the tools are there. I think he can be a very good defender, above average, Um, but when he's switching on to point guards, two guards, he might struggle a little bit. This is a guy who has shades of, really, if you want to look at it, probably Chris Middleton on the very, very high end, though I don't think that's something that he's going to end up reaching, but that's a guy that I'm very intrigued about at the four spot. Someone with just potential upside or who just fits really, really well here with what New Orleans is looking to build around Zion. Before we end the podcast, we've gone a little bit long today. I do want to throw another name out there that's been shooting up draft boards that I think makes a lot of sense for the Pelicans, but I don't think four is just the right spot for him. I think you're giving up too much value and you're better to take him if you trade down in the draft, which if the Pelicans like him, maybe is what they're looking to do. And that's Brandon Clark, the power forward big man out of Gonzaga, who's a junior. This is a guy who in college put up 16.9 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 3.2 blocks per game, and 1.2 steals. That are Those are some tremendous numbers. He's 6'8 with very good size. And this is a dude who had as many blocks as missed shots in the regular season for Gonzaga. Think about that for a damn second. He has a lot of upside that might take him a little bit to get to, and he's slightly undersized because you probably want him playing center and not power forward for any team. 6'8", you're giving up a lot of size there. You put him against a guy like Joel Embiid or any of the bigger centers, he's going to struggle, and he's going to get pushed around, and he's going to be outmanaged uh, there. Zion can maybe take some of those too, but I think you want to shy him away from that early on in his career till he kind of gets into it. But... Brandon Clark did a very good job of blocking basically everybody in college last season, so maybe he can be a good defender about them. If you want a guy who's the next Pascal Siakam in the draft, it's probably Brandon Clark. Just a dude who kind of does everything, is unbelievably versatile, and just kind of does whatever the team needs. He's just not a me guy, he's a team guy. We always like those type of players. And he sets good screens. He can switch a number of positions. He can score close to the basket. Shooting's not too great. We don't need to talk about that. And it's 26.7% from deep. But he didn't really take almost any three-pointers this past season. He is not going to stretch the court for you. But, he's again, the screens are good. He's a pretty decent enough rebounder. And you can kind of use him alongside Zion Williamson. And I think they complement each other really well. He has enough ball handling that you feel comfortable in there too, that if it hits his hands, he's not putting up a bad shot and it can keep moving. And he can dribble enough to kind of create a little bit of space if need be. But he's a great defender. He can guard multiple positions and maybe that's what New Orleans is going to be looking for. Four might be a little high for him. I don't think that's the right value, but if you trade down, keep an eye on Brandon Clark ending up here in New Orleans. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for tuning in. If you've been here since the beginning, I appreciate it as well. It's a fun time. We're getting a lot of new listeners, so please, 
Also, tell your friends. Screw what the national media is saying. You know we've got it covered here for you on Locked On Pelicans, the local experts on the team that you love. So share this with your friends. Get them clued in because it's going to be a fun season coming up. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.